The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Baptist Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Baptist Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we've sung of your presence and your power. Lord, I just pray that uh, that would be so much, those two things would be so much in evidence now as we look at your word. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I don't know if they've been tweaking the uh, cell phone towers around here or if it's just my, my, uh, my cell phone is three years old, so it's, you know, maybe it's time uh, to, to get a new one. But for some reason, uh, the last two weeks, I have dropped at least a dozen calls around here. And I'm always, uh, when I'm talking to somebody, I'm always walking around the parking lot trying to find that spot. <laughs> and I, I've ended three or four different calls by saying at the end, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I sure hope you're getting this message. <laughs> and I'm sure hoping you're getting this. Well, maybe, uh, I don't want to freak you out. I won't really do this. But uh, I'm going to kind of want to, at the end of the message today, follow you out into the parking lot and say, hey, did you get that? <laughs> did, you, did you really get that? Because what we're going to look at today, as we look at the first couple of chapters here of Galatians, I think is the one message that if you are a guest, if you're, if you're, this is the only time you'll be here, and this is the only time I'll get a chance to talk to you, this might be the one message I want, I think it is the one message that I really want to make sure that you get. And if you have been here for 30 years and you've been listening every week and hearing things over and over again, I still think that this is the message that we really need to get a hold of that sometimes we're missing. Now, we are going to uh, read a few paragraphs here in Galatians 1 and 2. Uh, before we do that, though, I, I need to set up a little bit or give you a little bit of the history. If you are familiar, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the New Testament, but we have the first four books of the, of the New Testament, which are the Gospels. The fifth book we call the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. And in there, we have this, it's a history book, really. It tells the story of, first of all, the resurrection of Christ. And, uh, and then we see that the, uh, the Holy Spirit is given to the apostles, and they begin to share the message of the gospel throughout the world. And they travel around, and Paul in particular travels around, and he establishes churches, groups of believers throughout the world. And we find this story of just this incredible working of God. Now, Paul is preaching a radical new message. It, is, it was radical then, it's radical today because it's not a religious message that says, you see, see religion is all about man trying to get good enough to, to come to God. It's all about man trying to make a way to God. And uh, Paul has this new message, this message that says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the man is never going to be good enough to get to God, but he needs the Savior. And God is sending his, his Savior into the world. God is sending his son, Jesus Christ. And this is a totally new message. Message. Well, Paul has preached this message through, uh, he starts off in, it's in Acts chapter 13 and 14, he and Barnabas take what we call the first missionary journey. They go to an island of Cyprus and then they go up into the area that is now Turkey or Asia Minor. And he shares this message and people grab a hold of this message and the church has begun there. But then as, after Paul leaves there, he gets word 
that something's going on, okay? Some people from the church in Jerusalem, now not from the temple, not the Jewish Pharisees, but from the church in Jerusalem, some of the people there that have said, yeah, you have to accept Christ, you have to follow Christ, they're coming behind Paul, and they're saying, yeah, he's, to he's told you that you're right, you need to know Jesus, it's all about you, but there's more to it. You also have to keep the law. You have to be circumcised. You have to be part of the Jewish faith. And uh, we'll see here that Paul's not real crazy about this. Okay, so this letter is actually the first one that Paul wrote. If they were in chronological order, this is his first letter. He's just finished the first missionary journey. He's excited. I mean, this is his passion of life is to share the gospel. He's excited that people are receiving the gospel. Uh, and now he finds out that somebody is coming around behind him and discrediting what he says. So he writes back to the church, uh, churches, I should say, of Galatians. Galatia. Uh, and that's what we have here in the book of Galatians. And in the first two chapters, he spends a lot of time saying, hey, uh, uh, look at the first words, Paul an apostle. He said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you need to understand, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not this crazy man. I am an apostle. Okay, yes, I wasn't with Jesus during his earthly ministry, but uh, I have also had contact with Jesus. I've been converted to him. I have seen the resurrected Christ. I, I get that, and I, I, I'm sharing the gospel. I have the right to do this. He has called me to do this. This is a message. In other words, he spends a lot of time justifying his ministry because people are coming around behind him and telling him ah, he doesn't have it all right. And he wants to tell them, yeah, I do. But, but there's a couple of personal things I would say that he gets into here that I want you to see. In chapter 1, beginning in verse number 6, he says to these people, he says, I am astonished that you so quickly deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Uh, if you study the original language, there is not a stronger word he could pick than astonished. He said, I, I cannot believe this. Are you serious? We, you know, I shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that God gave his own son, you accepted it, you believed it, and now you're turning to a different gospel? Then he says not that there is another gospel, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And I, and I want to say this. He's not battling against somebody coming in and saying, hey, worship this idol. Okay? What he is battling against is those who name the name of Christ coming in and saying, that's not enough. There has to be more. You also have to keep the law. They're distorting the gospel. And I think we run into the same thing now. It is not just, uh, you know, you, you have to tr uh, uh, you know, worry about, you know, some, somebody setting up an altar to a pagan god or something like that. But we worry about those who want to add to the gospel. So, uh, so he goes on there, and he's in he pretty strong language. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. accursed. And we have said before, now I say to you again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Now, then he goes back in, he talks about his call from God. He talked about how he has been already been received uh, by the church. In other words, he is justifying his ministry. But I want to jump over to chapter 2, verse number 11. And he tells this story. He says, when Cephas, that is the Greek name for Peter, okay? This is Peter who is, other than Paul, he's the lead character of the book of Acts. Uh, very much a leader among, among God's people, among the apostles. 
and says, when Peter came to Antioch, that is the Antioch that's up there in Turkey, he says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, now James was the brother of Christ, he was the leader of the church at Jerusalem. He said, before those guys came from the church at Jerusalem, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. These people that were coming around saying, you got to be circumcised, they were called Judaizers, they said, you got to keep the law. Paul, Paul was all about the Gentile believers and having a great time with them, but then when they came, he pulls off. <laughs> Do I know you? Uh, so, 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 uh, so Paul says, I had to get in Peter's face because of the way he reacted here. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their, their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct, look at this phrase, their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. We're going to examine that idea there, that their conduct was not in step with the th truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you uh, force the Gentiles to live like Jews? If I could paraphrase, you haven't even kept the law perfectly, but now you want them to. Look at verse number 15 and 16. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we also believe that Christ Jesus in order to, uh, I'm sorry, we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because the works, by the works of the law, none will be justified. The uh, we're we're going to be real <laughs> complicated, but yet real simple today. There's a, a scholar from the early 1900s by the name of J. Gresham Makem, but and he said that the importance of getting the gospel, getting it right, revolves around the order in which you put three words. Because those that came here with the false gospel, those who came with this distorted gospel that, uh, that Paul is condemning here, put the words in this order. He said, first of all, yes, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. And then they would say, then you have to make sure that you are obeying him, and then you will be justified. Justification is that idea that we are made right with God. Okay? He said, you'll be but, but here's how it goes. First we believe, then we obey, then we're justified. You say, but Dan, we know that. And most of you do. Most of you are sitting here thinking, I, I know that. I, 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 as soon as you put that up there, I knew that wasn't the right order. Okay, I, I knew there was something wrong there. You didn't have to write the word wrong there. We get it. We know it. And I'm going <laughs> to kind of say it like this. Are you sure you know it? And, and I, I wanted to share a couple of things personally that I think for me this grieves my heart in ministry more than anything when I hear something like this. When, um, when I was in high school, the, for the first time, uh, I heard the gospel preached. I heard that Christ died for my sins, that I needed a Savior. I received him at the same time that my, or I received that salvation. I turned to him uh, at the same time that my parents did. And uh, we went instantly from being priesters, we went to church on Christmas and Easter, to being every weekers. 
I mean, we were there every time the doors were open almost instantly. My mom and dad did this uh, for many years. In fact, I was trying to calculate. I'm sure that they heard over 4,000 sermons with the gospel. I'm sure of it, you know, just going through. That was a low estimate. My mom was a church secretary for two different churches. Dad was a deacon in two different, uh, in two different church, uh, churches. <sighs> years back when dad got the word they, they told him he had six months uh, I'm sorry a maximum of six months to live he ended up living 18 but during those 18 months I went down to Texas to see him four different times on visits each time thinking I was you know I never said goodbye but each time kind of thinking it would be the last visit on one of those right towards the end when uh, my daughter was with me and she had taken my mom out and my dad and I were talking my dad looked at me and he said son I just hope I've done enough to get to heaven it floored me that he would say that. I mean, it, it did. A couple years later, my mom moved up here. In one of my last good conversations with her, mom looked at me and she says, Dan, I just hope I've been good enough. And I, I wanted to scream, Mom, you haven't. Actually, I did say, Mom, you haven't been good enough. And she looked at me like that's a terrible thing for a son to say. But I want to say, boy, that's the whole point of everything we were talking about. We are not good enough. We cannot be good enough. That's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to say this too. I, I, I hate to tell you this, but at least four different times as I have ministered here and talked to people that are established saints in the church that have been here forever, I don't know how to say it, I've heard this similar type thing. I hope I've been good enough. Last Friday, when I was trying to find a spot to bring in cell reception, I was sitting out here in the playground talking to an old friend. And he, and, uh, and he said to me, I haven't really been going to church uh, too much. He said, I figure God's already decided on me. But in there was this idea again that, you know, somehow I hope I've done enough. I think if I haven't done enough by now, it's not there. And this idea, this, salve, this works idea, that keeps coming back in, it, it just, it just sneaks back in over and over again. I, you know, I'm not prone to incredible dramatics. I don't think I am anyway. Maybe you can tell me differently. To incredible dramatics. I used to have a preacher that every other week he'd say, yeah, that's going to happen around here. We're closing the doors. He loved to say that. We're just going to close the doors. I don't think I've ever said we're going to close the doors. But I, so, so listen when I say this. Um, if all we're doing around here is setting up a situation where people are coming and they're thinking, man, I'm earning points with God by walking into church and listening. I'm earning points with God, and maybe if I come to church enough and everything like that, God will be impressed. And all we're trying to do is earn our way into heaven. We would be a lot better off to shut the doors. We would. Now, there, I, I get the idea. <laughs> I have a weakness. is a really goofy weakness for gumballs. If I see a gumball machine, I go over and put a quarter in. What a total waste. Have you ever done that? They're always, you know, eight years old. They're super stale. By the time you get to the flavor, it lasts, and I'm not exaggerating, it lasts about a minute. I know, me neither. Uh, but I take them anyway. Uh, you know, it's super sweet. It just, it just makes you sick, and you, you know, then you're stuck with it in your mouth. And checking. But one day, I think I was in Copper Creek. I put my quarter in, and nothing came out. I turned the thing, and nothing came out. And, you know, so here I am, a grown man over in the corner shaking the gumball machine. Uh, like, I want my corner! But I think for some of us, it's almost like the gospel is, is that coin that's been put in, but it hasn't dropped down. And we think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah you know, somehow th this isn't really there. And, and um, if this is where we are, if this is the order that we're believing things go, what it leads to is a 
anxious and a selfish obedience. I'm anxious because I'm always wondering if I'm doing enough, if I've done enough. I'm selfish because I'm only doing it so I can get something out of it, and it even works its way into a mindset of like God owes me, which is a mindset that we don't want to get to. And very simply, I don't want to live with an anxious and a selfish obedience. And I don't want you to live with an anxious and a selfish obedience. So let's figure out what the order should have been. Let's, 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 try, let's try to get it right here. You know what it is? It's pretty simple. We still start with the belief in Jesus Christ. But the second word changes. When we believe, when we trust Him as Savior, we are justified. The Scripture says in the book of uh, Romans chapter 10, verse number 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Jesus did what the law could never do. The, the Old Testament had all these laws for cleanliness. Unbelievable, if you read it, the things that they had to do to try to make themselves clean. But then they had all these laws for sacrifices, which said no matter how much you do, you're still not clean enough. God is so perfect and God is so pure and God is so holy, we are not going to measure up to that. We need a Savior is the message. And Jesus is the one who can make us clean. Jesus is the one who can make me fully righteous. We too often operate with the idea that if I obey, then I'm accepted. But what the scripture teaches is that I am accepted, therefore I will obey. There's a huge difference. So what is our third word then? <laughs> Obedience is still part of the Christian life. I didn't throw that out at all. But I just want to make sure that we're getting it in the right order. Because when we have it in this order, it leads to an obedience that could be described more as joyous and loving. Um, when you do, I, I don't know, if some of you through work or anything like that, or maybe a church or anything like that, you do a personality test. And I know one of the types of personalities that come up in a lot of these is a people pleaser. And I have to confess, I've struggled with that my whole life. Now, I think as I'm getting older, I'm getting better. Part of it is, you know, they say when you're young, you're worried about what people think about you. And as you get older, you figure nobody's really thinking about you anyway. Uh, and you get, it kind of dawns on you. And I, I'm actually growing in that a little bit. My wife actually is great on this. If you were to say, ask Frances to list somebody who doesn't like her, and she'll have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not saying people don't like, there's not people who don't like her. She just doesn't know it. <laughs> it just doesn't phase her because she doesn't think about what people are thinking about her all, all the time. I, on the other hand, struggle with that. And I say that because when I have that strong sense that somebody really doesn't like me, and I, I am awkward. I mean, I'm like, I don't, you know, it's like they walk past me and, you know, they're 10 steps down the hall and then I say hi. Uh, hi. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want them to like me, but it's just, I'm, I'm just awkward. And, I, I wrote down earlier in the week, I, I wrote down many, 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 many of you all that I have talked to believe that God is not happy with you most of the time. I really believe that. And then I was listening to a sermon on Friday by Tim Keller, a pastor of a huge church in New York City. And Tim said this, he said, most, he said to his congregation, most of you are still living a performance-based life. This idea of works, this idea of uh, 
achieving something rather than receiving something just keeps sneaking its way back in. And he said to them, this has produced in many of us a self-righteousness and in others of us a self-loathing because we never measure up and in many of us a phoniness and, and even to a place where many have quit or given up on that uh, because you know they're still thinking that somehow I am just never doing enough. So it is incredibly important that we believe the gospel. It is incredibly important that the gospel gets inside of us or becomes parts of our life. You will notice that Paul did not look at Peter and say, stop being a racist. He could have. He could have. What is, what is Peter doing? He's looking down on the Gentiles. They're unclean. They don't do all the ceremonies that we do. They're unclean. Okay, they're not quite as good a way. He could have just said, hey, stop it. Stop your racism. What did he do instead? He said, hey, get your life in line with the truth of the gospel. Walk in line with the gospel. Let's get to the place where it is inside of us. You know, a lot of times we think of the gospel as step one. Oh, the first thing we need to do is preach people the gospel. Once they've received that, then we need to show them how to live. But I don't really, <laughs> this is Peter, like I said. I mean, this, this, this is the guy who's been the leader of the church. Okay, this is the guy that stood up at Pentecost. This is the guy, as we mentioned before, had already received a vision from God that the, that the Gentiles were clean. And, this, and, and he still needs to hear this again. He still needs to learn that he needs to walk in life. The gospel needs to still be working into his life to the place where it impacts him. Martin Luther, who I, I don't think anybody will accuse of shallowness, said that as he studied the scripture, he, uh, he kept finding himself coming up short. Uh, I'm not loving God with all my heart. I'm not loving others as, as myself. He said, finally, I had a breakthrough when I realized that righteousness is not earned but given. And you know, if somehow we're still in that game, okay, no, listen, honestly, folks, no wonder people look at Christians a lot of times and think we're a bunch of phony hypocrites. If we're still trying to play this game where we think we're earning our righteousness, and you're not, so you're going to have to hide some things, don't you think? Uh, you're going to have to pretend like you're something that you're really not, don't you think? I mean, no wonder we come across as posers sometimes because we don't get the, the whole idea that this righteousness is a gift from God. We don't understand the breadth of it, that it spreads out throughout our across our lives, that it becomes our worldview. And believing the gospel uh, determines how we view our career, how we view our money, how we view our families, uh, how we view uh, our, our uh, past and how we deal with that, uh, how we deal, the, those, uh, deal with those who are needy. We don't understand the implications of getting a hold of the idea that all of us are equally dirty. We all have the equal need of the Savior. But that through Jesus Christ and His righteousness, then we are made equally clean. We don't have it really dig into our lives. But when we do, when the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, sinks into our lives, it is transformational it has a transformational impact on how we behave. When we find our true value, we are no longer trying to get value. We are no tr longer trying to justify ourselves. When we realize that value, again, is received, not achieved. Think about how, you know, what is it that causes us to look down on other people? We're trying to give value to ourselves. 
you know, where else in life are we trying to find that value? I read a story uh, this week of a lady that uh, she said, I, my whole life I went from one bad romance to the next. Guys treated me like, like dirt. And I would just keep going because somehow I thought, you know, in this I'm going to find my, you know, somehow in this relationship I have to have this. I have to have somebody who loves me. But her story, in her story she said this. She said, when I finally started to truly believe the gospel, I found that I had value in the person's eyes that were the only eyes that mattered. And she said, then I could say, uh, I, could, I could still love you, but you are not my life. You are not my value. You are not my everything. And then I was really, truly free to love. And when we get a hold of this idea, it is transformational. To Peter, he was saying, hey, you don't need to feel superior. <laughs> you don't have the right to feel superior. You don't have the need to feel uh, superior. You know, and that's, that's part of the reason I say around here, we have to be more than just a place where we come to make moral resolutions. You know, I came to church, I'm going to behave better because I went to church, that type of thing. Okay, cool. But we have to become more than that. In fact, I'll even say this, and this might sit wrong to begin with. You can, you can digest it a little bit. We have to be more than just a place where we come to hear biblical principles and then go out and try to apply them. I said more than. I didn't say we shouldn't do that. But we have to become a place where Martin Luther said it like this. In his commentary on chapter 2 and verse number 14, he said we need to be pounding the truth of the gospel into people's lives. Because if all we are is just you know, with our moral resolutions and our better behavior, that is a great recipe for self-righteousness. That is a great recipe for pretending. So we want to be about the gospel. During one of my little strolls this week, I got through the parking lot to get cell phone reception. As I turned around and looked at the building, uh, I was just thinking, uh, okay, this, I'm going to hurt myself, pat myself on the back. I really like our paint job. Uh, that looks really good, especially since I did it. Uh, but, uh, but I really like that. And I, I walked up towards the front of the building. And, you know, a few years ago, I was walking through our neighborhood. And our neighborhood was built in the 60s. And I was noticing, you know, some of the houses uh, had landscaping that was just like overgrown green shrubs. And I thought, those people have never updated their house. Then I came to church. <laughs> And that's exactly what we had. And a bunch of guys pitched in and ripped out the old landscaping. And I can't thank, there's been a lot of folks who've helped, but I can't thank Stephanie Graham enough. You know, when I walk out there, I look at that landscape. I thought, wow, that looks awesome. That looks better. I'm glad to have that. And a few years ago, we took down the old speakers that used to hang here, and we updated it. By the way, I think we need to update again, don't we? Yeah, I know. I've been looking for new ideas with pallets. I'm somewhat kidding. I don't know if pallets are still in or not. I, I did get a Pinterest thing the other day that said they have this new idea for pallets. You put them on the ground, you stack stuff on them. I, I don't know, but uh, I don't know if that will catch on or not. But, uh, uh, but I think we need, uh, I appreciate the basses. They were sitting in here thinking these sconces need updated, and they bought us new walls, sconces. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Those lights on the side. Uh, they were tired of looking at the broken one in the back and all the out-of-dated ones, and they said, oh, we're just buying new ones. Oh, we'll get them. And, uh, and, you know, different things like that. I walked in the nursery this morning, and Aaron, Aaron uh, I was going to say Aaron Slocum, sorry. Uh, Aaron Stanfield had, uh, you know, painted in there to uh, fix that up with some beautiful flowers and I thought all these things are, are awesome they're good I, I so much appreciate 
uh, Jeremy and David and Vincy and Craig and Betsy and David and Faye and who am I missing? Uh, somebody that works with the music. No, I don't appreciate. Yes, I appreciate him too, but not musically. Uh, but the uh, but anyway, you know, I, I look at all these things and I think, man, this this is great. But I see all these things as trying to do the best job as, as we can at sharing the gospel in the year 2019. Um, seven weeks ago, I announced we were going to vote on a name change. Uh, last week, we voted on it. I, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I didn't campaign. <laughs> I didn't jump up and down and say, hey, you know, we really need this. Now, I believed it, makes, it is a more effective way to minister here in the year 2019. I really believe that. I wouldn't have said that. But <laughs> let me say, say it like this. Um, I have no dream that someday somebody will say, oh, Pastor Dan, he was the guy that uh, painted the building. <laughs> got it as a new color. Uh, or we got new landscaping while he was pastor. Or we updated the auditorium or, or whatever like that. I have no dream that, that that that'll be the case. That's not, you know, a legacy. And I don't even have the, a legacy that, hey, that's when we changed the name. I see those as, like I said, just tools. You know, things that will help us do it. By the way, if you're worried about the service today, we did order a new computer too. We do have it ordered. Okay, it's ordered. It's order. We have a new computer coming, so hopefully we won't have a great uh, delay in the, in the beginning anymore. But, uh, you know, I sell those as tools for, hey, let's do the very best job that we can, and we'll continue to uh, keep up or in some cases try to catch up to do the very best job we can of sharing the gospel in 2019. But the important thing that I want to say is this message, the gospel. So if this is the only time that you'll ever hear, what I want to say to you more than anything is it is not this church or any other church that makes it so that you can be right with God. It is not this religion or any other religious system that makes it so that you can be right with God. It is only that God so loved the world that he gave his only son and only through Jesus. That name we sang about right before I got up here, only through that name can a person be justified and made, made right. And I want you to know that more than anything. And for those of you that come week after week, and you know, I, I just want to continue to pound into our heads the truth of the gospel so that uh, we understand that it is not a performance-based religion. We don't allow that religion of works to continue to, to creep back in. I've told you a number of times that my years here as pastor have been great for me. I'm not lying. Here's why. I haven't learned this but I am learning this more and more all the time. I am learning the truth of the gospel. I am learning more and more what it means to walk in line with the truth of the gospel. And it's, it's awesome. It's really good. I, as we were, uh, as actually as Vincy was singing and we were watching her sing, uh, the first song today, the one of the lines was uh, dancing on my chains or something like that. Is that, is that right? Dancing on my shame? One was shame and one was change, both. That's good stuff. I, I, I love that visual image. Dancing on my head. I was thinking of a, of a hymn some of you might remember. Uh, Charles Wesley wrote it, and, and uh, he said, uh, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. But he says, Thine eye, God, diffused a quickening ray, and I awoke in the dungeon flame with light. He said, My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Do you get it? God showed this light. 
I saw that light. I believed that light. My chains fell off. I was free. Then I got up and I rose. I went forth and followed thee. Let's get the order right. Let's get the order right. I don't think it's going to happen like this. That battle to keep this religion of works, uh, keep working it back in, is something that our enemy is going to continue to do into our thinking. So let us pound the truth of the gospel into our, in, into our lives. Uh, I'm going to play, or they're going to play a song for you in the back that is uh, simply called that. It's, it is simply called the gospel. And I hope it will give us a little bit of time to reflect and, and think about it and to understand that the more that this truth is ingrained into the depths of our lives, the more then we can walk in line with the gospel. And that is what we want our church to be about. People who are hearing the truth of the gospel. People who are walking in line with the truth of the gospel. That's what's going to make a difference. Okay? That is what is going to impact and change our world. To the glory of God and his kingdom. Let's go ahead and, and pay attention to this song. generation we're turning over every stone hoping to find salvation in a world that's left us cold can we get back to the altar back to the arms of our first love there's only one way to the father and he's calling out to us to the captive it looks like freedom to the orphan it feels like home Skeptic, it might sound crazy to believe in a God who loves. In a world where our hearts are breaking and we're lost in the mess we've made, like a blinding light in the dead of night, it's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. It's the good news for us all It's greater than religion It's the power of the cross So can we get back to the altar Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home
but that he's already received us into his. In my own life, it means forgiveness when I know I deserve the fall. It called me out of my darkness and carried me to the cross. In a moment, my eyes were open. In that moment, my heart was changed. Like a blinding light in the dead of night, it's the gospel. Oh, to the captive, it looks like freedom. To the orphan, it feels like home. Yeah, to the skeptic, it might sound crazy. So, I so much hope that uh, and pray that I won't. Whoa, I'm in our tent today with that. Again, still wonder, have I been good enough? I hope that never happens again. I, I wanted to say this too. I, I sometimes we think, well, did I believe enough? And I, and I want to say this. I've had that doubt. I've had that sometimes. I thought, hey, did I believe right? Did I trust right? The important thing. The important issue of that is not how much I believe or how I believe. The important issue there is in whom did I believe? In Jesus Christ, if, if, if you remember that. But I hope to never again sit by a dying loved one or somebody that has heard this message over and over again and have them still be thinking, I wonder, I wonder if I've done enough. The answer is no, we haven't. But Jesus did. And if we can take that truth and live it out, even in our everyday lives, it really is transformational. I think we can explore that a little bit more as we can continue our study in Galatians. Would you stand with me? We'll close in prayer. Father, the, <laughs> the most significant, or the more significant the message, the more inferior I feel to, to bring it. So I cry out that your spirit would minister the truth of this message in a way that I am incapable of doing. May the gospel be the defining message in our lives that we live, that we walk uh, in line with its truth. May our community learn the gospel because this is happening in our lives. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Baptist Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, cbcedwardsburg.com. You may also contact the church via email, info at cbcedwardsburg.com, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.